In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Comic Exposure. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast partner in crime is... Travis Ratz. Hey, Travis. How you doing? I'm doing okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, on Comic Exposure... <laughs> drinking my water. I, it's just like an aside. Just drinking my water here. <laughs> drinking your water here. It's just an aside to say hello, you know. Uh, so on Comic Exposure... We don't. Did you don't. watch anything good this week? Did I watch anything good this week? Uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah, yeah, I saw the finale of Game of Thrones. A little, a little upset. A little upsetting. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I, it took me a couple of days to decompress from that. Too many people die on that show. Yeah. yeah. Well, some of them need to die. Others... And, and the people who need to die, never die. You know what? But in the realm of magic, resurrection is always a possibility. It is, it is. So, back to what we do on Comic Exposure. Uh, we talk about comic books and trades and graphic novels, and we bring a guest on, and we kind of do a, uh, a book club, I guess, is the best way to put it, yeah. on whatever we read. So this week, our guest is Jeremy Olam. Say hi, Jeremy. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Uh, Jeremy is a repeat guest. Jeremy's doing us a favor. We had a, uh, a guest, uh, couldn't make it, so Jeremy's filling in like the awesome guy he is. Everybody's favorite second-rate guest. Yes, everybody's favorite second-rate guest. Jeremy Olam is here today uh, to talk with us about the book Southern Bastard. So we read Volume 1, Here Was a Man, uh, by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Uh, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, you guys ready to get into this? You guys, you guys ready to do some discussion? Or you want to talk about something else? Well, no, because normally we would we would ask our guests yeah. what their first exposure was, but we've already asked Jeremy that, so we can't. Well, we could because people may not have listened to that episode. Jeremy, so. what's your what was? Let me ask you a different question. What was your last exposure to comics? <laughs> last exposure. What was the last comic book what was you the read? Last thing you read besides Southern Bastards. Uh, that's a great, you know, it was probably Underwater Welder that I read with you guys, to be honest. <laughs> See, we were... No, that's not true. I've been following along with you a little bit. I read, I, I waded deep into Daredevil territory, territory with you. Oh, and yeah, what, uh, yeah, that's, that, that was a tough one. That was brutal. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was brutal. I didn't follow you all the way through. <laughs> yeah. I, I did read I, a lot of Daredevil. We didn't you. almost follow I didn't get my second. <laughs> I didn't get my second win until the, the, the finish line, like the last four, which which totally made it worth it, especially with the... Um, yeah, like uh, the this, kingpin reveal. Oh and, yeah, and, and it like, made the watching the series so much yeah. more um, uh, involved. It was. It was like it was like I felt like I knew something that other people didn't know. Yeah, you I did. Felt, you felt like the other cool kids. Like, <laughs> mm, I was reading you did it before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about Southern Bastards, which is funny because you know who we have with us today, Travis. Do you know who Jeremy Olm is? He is Father of the Year. Father of the Year, Jeremy Olam. Faja of the Year. Faja of the Year. He what won. Is, he what's, recently what's father won of Father of the Year. Yeah, what is that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but you are Father of the Year. I, yeah, I don't know. Three TV held a contest. Some friend of mine um, entered me in as a nominee for Father of the Year, and I won, including a giant novelty check for a thousand dollars. What? So, yeah. Hey, hey. It's on. It's on the YouTube too, so you can like oh, Three yeah. TV Father of the legit. Father of the Year, so you can find Jeremy Olam on the YouTube. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah so cool. we have Father of the Year to talk about Southern Bastards, which is I just think the wording is ironic of it. That, so. The wording might be ironic, <laughs> but the story itself very apropos. It is. It is. It's much about. It's a lot about. I guess father son relationships. Yeah. Probably a better father-son relationship than the one that gets you father of the year, though, I would think. 
You think the you think no the, father of the year is better. Oh, than this I was like, maybe I worded it wrong. Maybe well, I, I guess it you don't ever know. I feel like this this story really encapsulates that whole song, "A Boy Named Sue" type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like why would, son, I was hard on you because I, I had to make a man out of you. Yeah, and I there's something about that that I that I appreciate. You know, the idea that um, you can there are people who are hard on their sons. Because they want them to grow up super strong, and sometimes son will end up hating them. But like, listen, I, you know, I, I, we've seen this story a lot, yeah. right? Where the the father is super hard on the son, and the son grows up to hate his father. But the same sense, he has a a real sense of who he is, and a real like, and at the same time, man, at the know? same time, he is his father, right? Yeah. Like with that, and that's a theme that we'll be able yeah. to get to because we read underwater welded together. And I right, think yeah. it kind of it's kind of encapsulates that idea. So uh, we read Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Uh, Jason Aaron is writing this. Uh, Jason Aaron's worked on a bunch of books uh, from like Wolverine and the X Men to Scalped to I think he did some Hulk in there. Right. Uh, I really liked Scalp. If you if you if you're reading Southern Bastards with us and you say I like this one, um, go back and read Scalp. Go back and read Scout. I'll probably drop in some Scout references later as far as the tone. Yeah. Um, but uh, that one's really good. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jason Latour was on that with him, too. So these guys have worked together on, on several things together. Uh, Jason Latour also is currently writing Spider-Gwen, which is like took the like the comic book world by storm for a little bit. And everybody's like, oh, Spider-Gwen. And I think every Marvel comic had a Spider-Gwen variant at some point in the last month or so what or is, something like so that. give me a little... What is Spider-Gwen? <sighs> okay, is so... Gwen Stacy is Spider-Man? Is yeah, Spider-Man? so in a alternate universe, Gwen Stacy is bitten by the spider, not Peter Parker, and she becomes Spider-Woman. Um, and She's Spider-Gwen. Well, the comic book is called Spider-Gwen, but she goes by Spider-Woman because then everybody would know that she was Gwen Stacy if she went by Spider-Gwen. So Spider-Gwen is... Um, it's this big thing that's going on. I guess they're bringing Spider-Gwen uh, with uh, Secret Wars is like smashing all of Marvel Universe together. So I guess Spider-Gwen is going to be in, or it looks like she might be in regular Marvel Universe at the end of it all. We'll see what happens. Uh, if she's selling books, then she will be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's Miles Morales is coming in over for, for that same reason. So all of that talk aside, uh, Travis, you want to give us the two-minute summary? Yeah, I can do two minutes on summary. All right. We're going to do two minute summary on Southern Bastards. Every episode uh, that we read a trade, we try to do a two minute summary of it. You want me to set the clock for you, buddy? Yeah. I don't know if I need two minutes on this one, but let's go. All right. I'm going to give you you two minutes. You ready? Yeah. Boom. All right. So, Southern Bastards follows uh, our main character, Earl Tubbs, as he makes his way back home again to his hometown of uh, Accraw County, Alabama. Right, a real podunk southern town. I mean, this is classic Americana. What you think of, like this is the make home Alabama to kill a mockingbird before Atticus, you know, kind of does his thing to it, you know. Uh, and he goes back there to clean out his uh, former house, which his uncle was living in, and he hasn't been back home for decades. He left home to go into the army uh, when he was of age and he couldn't wait to get out of town because his dad was overbearing and his dad was also the former sheriff of the town and kind of like a a a big man walk tall with a stick type of type of like literally walk tall he had a (laughs) stick that he would he would uh dispense justice with throughout the town and we know that his father ends up dying, and so when Earl comes back, we're seeing when Earl comes back, we're seeing the flashbacks of his father. But meanwhile, Earl is getting mixed up with the local town business, which seems to be like uh, couched in drugs or some seedy like 
Southern Mafia, uh, good old boys crew, right? And it's led by this guy named The Coach, who is the coach of the high school football team, the Running Rebs. So uh, Earl gets mixed up in, in uh, the justice of this town. He can't escape his father's ghost, and he has to. He gets. He puts his nose in, in where it doesn't belong. And he ends up getting it chopped off. I'm, I'm going to spoil some things in this summary. <laughs> he ends up dying at the end of the at the uh, end of this. Um, uh... Does he die? Oh, good question. And that's where I'll stop my two minute summary. Right <laughs> <laughs> at a minute forty eight, not bad. A minute forty eight, not bad. I'm interested now. I'm interested I, now. Well, I don't know because it ends and, and the book continues. I haven't read anything past volume one. I've really wanted to pick up. I think volume two just came out. I've wanted to pick it up, but I've been I've waited because I wanted us to talk. I wouldn't. I didn't want any further reading to be tainted by this. Right. Because one thing I want to say, uh, this could literally be it. This is a fantastic beginning, middle, end story in one piece. Right, I agree. One second. So it wraps up really good, I think, just just this one piece of story um, without anything after it. So I didn't read anything else, but I think that's kind of a good question that we can kind of get to when we get to the end of this is is it is he or as is Earl actually dead? Mm-hmm. Um, See, I'm 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 stunned that it isn't an obvious yes, he's dead. I mean, the book is called Here Was a Man. Yeah. All right. That's true. And it could be. If he's not dead, that's he's a brutal. Be in a lot of pain yeah. because that dude's head is caved in. <laughs> I'm not. Oh. I'm not saying he isn't dead. We but... gotta put a pin in this, huh? Yeah, we're we gonna, do. We're gonna, I think we we're do. Jump to this too quickly. Okay, so where do you want to start with this? Uh, well, let's 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 go. Um, I think we could start off with. Let's just start off in the story in general. I, I've kind of already said how I feel. I think it made a really good. Uh, on its own piece of, of story. So, so well, let me ask Jeremy this, Jeremy, what about what element in the story stands out the most to you? Is it the character, the, the characters, the setting, uh, the dialogue, you know, um, what, like when you read this, what does it seep with? Like what, what stands out the most as far as the storytelling aspect? I mean, I think it's, uh, Earl and his inability to escape, the shadow of his father is the thing that really sticks out to me P- particularly not not that i don't i don't know if his uh, existential crisis about his dad really landed with me that much but uh in the way that he cannot avoid seeking justice in a town that he doesn't care anything about and he actually hates and has uh contempt for he still cannot walk away uh, and just let it be what it is, and that 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 whole overarching. I don't know if it's an inherited sense of goodness or an inherited sense of uh, needing to put things right, but that that really stuck to me that he would walk into that. Right. So that so for you, it's that 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 conflict, that internal conflict, which is something we very much see. I think in uh, several uh, Jason Aaron stories. I know Scalp's about a, a Native American coming back to his reservation. And dealing with his hometown, that conflict of trying to escape, but like never being able to escape from home, it's always going to draw you back in, especially when you mix in the idea of the father in there. Yeah. So, I mean, this seems to be uh, the 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 crux of it. I don't think, as far as plot's concerned, he's he's visiting new territory at all. No. Did this feel that? Did that conflict feel? reheated like rehashed from um, uh, other stories that you've, you, you've um i think that heard. returning home story is in a lot of stuff it's, there's a ton of stuff where that 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 journey home and you're either um you're either sent home 
to like make it right or you come home for some and in this reason he comes home for some completely different reason and just gets sucked back in but have you guys have either you guys watched justified i was just gonna say this is justified. yeah so it's it's yeah. justified it his reason for coming back is different in justified it's yeah. that same idea of coming back to your hometown you know kind of the nooks and crannies of it this is a little more removed from that because he comes back after such a long time uh, but he comes back into something and it's his hometown and there's almost this like this thing where he hates the place, but he can't see it the way it is, right? He can't, right. he comes back and sees how messed up it is since his dad's not there to, to fix it. And so he takes on the, literally takes on his father's role with the stick, uh, the big giant stick to take, to take control of matters and try to bring justice back. To Croc think, County. And what do you think? I mean, we so you said like we've seen this yeah. this plot line before. What do you think it is about that returning home and and that conflict of father that that storytellers seem so gravitated to, especially storytellers around Jason Aaron's age? I don't think he's I don't think he's much older than us, um, and I don't know how. Um, uh, Jason Latour is probably Latour's, about the same so age. He's I think. just involved with his art and the yeah. storytelling of the story. I mean, this the, the art, which we'll talk about later, is is very storyboarded out. It really it really tells the story visually. I mean, you can oh, we'll save that for a bit. But what do you think about this return home story? Is so eternal in storytellers, especially I feel like middle aged men storytellers. Yeah, well, I you know it. I think. We are from a generation of people, like, again, who left home. You know what I mean? Like, so you think about it. Uh, I'm I'm not from Arizona. Jeremy's right. not from Arizona. Yeah. Travis, you're not yeah. from here, you know? So we're all, like, I think this is a general... There was um, my parents, their parents grew up in the same place. So my dad uh, was born in Saginaw, Michigan lived in Saginaw, Michigan when I was like, that's where he grew up in his sister owned, uh, my aunt owned his mom and dad's old house. So growing up, I went to my grandparents' house and they didn't even live there. You know what I mean? So I think, I think that we're a generation, a generation who moved for whatever reason, whether it was economic reasons and wherever we grew up. And that was a big thing for me. I left Michigan because Michigan was falling apart, right? If I wanted a job teaching, I had to leave. And, and so I, I think that idea of that coming home is something for a group of people who left. Right. And so in the beginning of this, uh, there's like two little letters in the beginning of this, one by, uh, you know, Jason Aaron writes, writes one and Jason Latour writes one. And Jason Latour talks about um, how uh, he moved back home and uh, living, like he moved away from the South, but he says he talks about how he, he uh, moved even deeper into the South, right? right? He went from North Carolina to Florida and, and kind of in the in, into the deep South. Uh, and he talks about how he's still angry at it. Today I can and often do laugh about all the drama and stress this place has caused me. A lot of its absurdity is even endearing. And yet somehow deep down I'm still angry as hell right. about, about the place he grew up in. And so I think that idea of – I think – our age group, that 30 plus is a lot of people who left their hometown. And so I think there's always that struggle. Like, what did I leave behind? What would be different if I went back? And so I think that that's something that we gravitate to. And you're going to change, but the people who stayed in that town, they haven't had those, um, external environmental factors working on them. Yeah. 
So you, you're, you're, the, the world has changed you outside of your town, but that has not changed the town, and it's not changed the people in the town. Well, maybe not, because this town has, well, I guess, I'm jumping to conclusions about what the town was previously before he left. But especially for Southern writers, uh, with, with, you know, storytellers, the South has always been a place of, like, love it and hate it, you know? I mean, always, yeah. like, think back to Billie Holiday's Southern uh, Fruit, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful song, because the South is a beautiful place, and there's a lot of beauty there, but there's a darkness that runs deep in, yeah. in the South. And, you know, a lot of Southern writers, a lot of story, so- Southern storytelling is about exploring that darkness within the beauty, um, and I think that... You hit the nail on the head as far as we are a transient generation yeah. and there is this calling home uh, because our roots aren't as deep. We, we supplanted them. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts, Jeremy? Yeah. I, I mean, he, th- there seems to be uh, a subtext here of um, – it's not even a subtext. It's called Southern Bastards about the South. But I think we – as 30 to 40 year olds are the first generation that was told we can create our own reality. It feels like uh, the generations before us, it feels like you were particularly if you're from a small town, you were born into whatever yeah. your, your dad did. And you just kind of went along. I feel like in the second half of the, the latter part of the 20th century was the first time that people were sold, make your own world. You can be what you want to be, get an education, go where you want, do what you want. Yeah. And then I think there's this moment that happens as you start to reach maturity and maybe have a wife and kids and you realize, did I actually become something different than my dad was? Or am I trapped in this genetic uh, (laughs) river that I can't (laughs) escape from? And it feels like, you know, he's responding a little bit to that idea that he's left he went to go be his own man, and yet when he comes back, even being completely absent from this influence of the South and this town, he's right back where he was. He is his dad. I do stuff mm. every day that I stop and go, holy crap, that that is my dad. Like right. That hand motion that I just made is my father. That dramatic pause is my dad. And I think that that... That resonates, and I think there's a cognitive dissonance that happens when we've been told over and over by Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers that, you know, you're unique and you're special and you can make yourself anything you want, and then you kind of go, can I really? Can I? (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I I think I haven't been home in a while. I I haven't been back to Michigan since 2008, I think, so I think this is the last time I went back. Uh, My family moved, you know, my mom and dad moved out here but I, I, you know, I have a lot of friends online. You know, Facebook connects you to everybody you went to high school with. Still, I still have friends who live back there, and they still go to the football games in our hometown. They still like Merrill Days. The parade still takes place, and and so there's things that don't change. I bet you the homecoming like court. I bet you those girls still wear those really ugly dresses that we wore, like the girls wore when I was in high school. Like they had this giant goofy looking homecoming princess dresses and when you tell other people about it out here they're like that doesn't make any sense you know and it's just something that was steeped in in that culture and i don't think it's moved much um and i've moved but i don't think i've when you come to think about it i don't know that i've moved that much either Mm -hmm. you know and so i think if i went back i'd probably just get right back into the same groove right you know so as we enter as we enter the story uh we get to know both the the main character and the town yeah. of uh, uh, Craw County or the Craw County at the same time. Yeah. 
they they both come in at the same time. I think they're I think the town's introduced first without the character in it, like the dog taking it, <laughs> which is a great okay. opening. That's the that's the best opening page I think I've seen to a comic in a while. Is the first page is a dog taking a shit. Like right. that is the that's yeah. the first moment. Like welcome to Craw County, and there's a dog pooping, and that dog shows up several throughout, times throughout, throughout it. Yeah, in fact, plays a made main part yeah. in the well, not main part, but uh, helps out in the end. Yeah. Um, so we introduce we're introduced to Earl and this town at the same time, and we see the town through Earl's eyes. Uh, so we're we're getting a kind of a biased view, I would say. I mean, there are shots of the town without him in it, but we're we're constantly. We're, I think, I, at least I was. I was very wary about the town coming in. Right, one, it's called Southern Bastards. Right, yeah. so I know that these people in the town aren't going to all be the friendliest people in the world. <laughs> But also, you there's this tension. We know that Earl doesn't want to be here. Yeah. We know he wants to get out quick. I mean, he mentions it several times. Well, the first a... like conversation, he's on his cell phone. Yep. And he, right away, he's like, three days and I'm out. That's yeah. it. So we come into this. We're like, whoa, whatever town we're going into, this guy doesn't want to be here. So immediately, it, the, the tension builds. And I, I'm drawn into the story because I want to know, why does this guy want to get out of here so yeah. quickly? And then... Not too long after that, they start showing things about his dad, right? I'm like, okay, now I'm in familiar territory. His dad was kind of the sheriff. It looked like he got knocked off by a town. It's still kind of a mystery. So as we, what, when we, when we are learning about Craw County, what, what, are your, what were your initial responses to Craw County, uh, Jeremy, through the uh, uh, Earl Tub? Was it, a fam- was it a familiar place to you? Uh, do you know places like this? Do you, is, it, is it reality to you? No, I mean, I grew, whatever the South is, I grew up in the place farthest from it. Uh, I grew up like an hour Canada. from the Canadian border, literally, <laughs> in a small town. I, a small town does resonate with me, but there was it's definitely framed in an ominous manner. The thing that's odd about it is that uh, there's an ominous uh, feeling to it that obviously our main character has going back. But it can't be related to what's actually happening in the current situation because he's unaware of it. Yeah, he doesn't exactly. know who these characters are. Good point. He's been gone for a long time. Yes. I mean, I, we don't know how long, but based on the drawings of him, I would have to say at least 40 years he's been gone. Um, so this town seems to have a long history of suckage. And uh, he's <laughs> coming back into a fresh batch of it, but um, it's not different than it used to be. So, yeah. And that opening... That opening picture is funny with the dog, um, but it really sets a tone of, like, the distastefulness of it. I mean, it's riddled with church signs and then a nasty, ratty dog taking a crap on the side of the road next to litter and garbage. And well, I think it really does, like... And the sign reads, hell, one way in, no way out. Yeah. And so, literally, that's the story we get, is that, you know, uh, Earl goes in... And does not come out, right? He has right. one way in and no way out of this town because he kind of gets drawn in there. And I, you could think of that not even his arrival, but his birth in this yeah, town. Like yeah, when you're, when you're born in this town, like there's one way in this town, <laughs> you ain't leaving. Well, yeah, because he he gets he gets drawn back into it really easily. Um, I think it does a really good job right away of setting it up. You're right, this ominous tone, like this is not a good place. The colors are all very muted. It's like syrupy. Like the color, the color palette that, that they use to color it is like, uh, so I read somewhere, uh, or maybe I, I heard it that someone was talking about how literally the color palette is barbecue. 
Like that's the color palette of this yeah. book is yeah. barbecue. Yeah, it's uh, hickory. You yeah, know, it's, it's got it's got all that that color in there. And there's only a couple times. You're when, right. Wow, that's that's really perceptive. There's only a couple times when you when you get color in it. I don't want to take credit for that. I did hear it, so it's not me who who's coming up with it. I mean, look like at the reds barbecue. in there. It's that barbecue yeah. red, man. Um, but wow, really, that's really cool. There's only a couple times you get real color in this. Otherwise, it's super muted. All the flashbacks are in like blood red. Uh, that rebel red, it's all the same color that the football team is red, you know, all, all the stuff, all those flashbacks are red. There's all this tie in stuff that you get in that. And it, it's this kind of really cool thing. I would say the town is almost a character as well, mm-hmm. right? The setting itself plays itself off as, is kind of this character. And really the story takes place in three places. It takes place at Earl's uncle's house. Right. The barbecue place mm-hmm. and the football field. Right. Like that is literally the story. And the football field for only a fr- like fraction of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I heard that, like I had listened to people talk about this. I read about this book and I, people were always like, well, you know, if you like football, this is, you should read this. And I was like, I don't, after reading it, I'm like, I don't think you have to like football at all. Like football plays like. It plays the role. kind of the enemy in this book. Yeah, well, well football <laughs> plays a role that it plays in a small town. I grew up in a small town. I graduated with seventy kids, right? So every Friday night, everybody went to that football game. Like that's, Winslow over here in Arizona. Yeah, like every, that's, every, it's, that's what you yeah. do. Every Friday, you went to the football game. Everybody went, and it was like it. I went from a young age. So when I was in elementary school, we went to football games. I had no idea. Who was on the football team? I didn't know any kids in high school, but we went. Okay, so here's a question for you, Jeremy, uh, based on what Josh said. Okay, we know that the, not only do the writers have conflicted feelings about the South and their place in it, we know the character has a conflicted feeling about the South and his place in it. Josh is talking about football as being not the main feature of the story, but always running through the background and a very important to the characters in the story. Is this satirizing that culture, that Friday Night Light culture? Would you say that Aaron is is kind of poking fun at this or pointing out a great evil in this culture? Or is he being objective about it? Like, what do you, how do you, where do you think Aaron's, the, uh, Jason Aaron stands on this? Like, how is he trying to portray football? Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting that the mafia boss in town is the it's football coach. coach. I mean, I think that really sums up uh, how he views the power that the football coach has given the place of honor in their society, uh, as messed up as it is, goes to this guy. And no matter how how bloody uh, his hands are, people still honor him and give him a place there. I feel like that has to be a critique of small town football culture. The guy writes comic books for a living. He I mean, it's probably stereotypical to say he's not the biggest football guy in the world, but it seems to be maybe that's true, uh, that he's looking at this with a little bit of um, disdain, uh, you know, growing up. and It might be disdain, but it also might be just the idea of how much power football holds in a small town. So it might not necessarily be a critique, but it might be like an honest idea of of how far... Like, how far do we allow right. this American pastime to, like, it, it, it like it holds such a place in these small towns that no matter what happens, football is always there. The coach is always important. Mm-hmm. So is it a critique that football is bad or is it just pointing out how important 
football is to small towns. Why well, I, I do like the idea. I love that the bad guy is the coach. Yeah, because I love that the bad guy. The bad guy's name is Coach Boss. Yeah, like that's Coach Boss. <laughs> yeah. coach boss. It's real Euless um, um, Boss. Dukes of Hazard, right? Yeah. You know. But like you, th- like I, 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 I spent my summers in Indiana. And Bobby Knight is king in Indiana. <laughs> Everyone, like, you don't talk about, like, bad about Bobby Knight. No matter how many chairs he throws and how he really chokes out, like, he is a saint there. And it, there's something to be said about Middle America and their reverences for those who take on coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, the coach is not, like, we look at coaches maybe in the big city. It's like, okay, you're the person, my kid spends time with and learn recreation. In the South, it's like, you're the person who's going to be molding my child. Like you're gonna you're gonna mold his character. It's they become a parental figure in a lot of these small towns where sports, as you said, are king. Um, and not not even that. Like they become like not only are they like gonna mold children, but they are also like what everybody's week hinges on. Right. Right. What you do during football, the the culmination of your week is in the hands of one person and the reputation of your town yeah yeah totally. Yeah. yeah i think that's really key at the beginning that they show the second the first sign that you see is all the churches the second yeah. sign is not just football but a successful football program yeah. five-time state champion or whatever yeah so yeah coach holds a lot of sway if he's successful right. and i think the the thing the coach does uh in this book in particular is he he's not just the leader of the football team he's a culture setter for the town yeah right and because he is cancerous the town is cancerous. Yeah, right. Yes, and, that's and he well, leads yeah. people in that direction. And and you know, I think he holds a. It's interesting that contrast between church and football yeah. because the church should be the one you would think traditionally saying, "Hey, here's what our morals are. Here's the direction that we're going to go as a people." And yet, the coach is the one that's really yeah. doing that. The football program is the one that's really doing it. It's like it's uh, it's like varsity blues, but like bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. No, that, it made yeah. me think oh, of it. Like, yeah. As I'm reading it, it, it made me think of that movie. Like that coach is a is an evil coach who's prideful and wants you know needs to win, and so is Coach Boss. But it's like times ten how bad he is in, in comparison. You know what I mean? Right. So I love that scene uh, where he's. They interrupt him for all this, like, you know, gangster stuff. Yeah. He's like, I'm watching videotape here. Yeah. You like, know? What are you like, doing? Yeah, like, I'm watching. This is a sacred moment for me, you know? <laughs> I'm it's watching great. tape. He, he was a really, it was really fun to watch that character. Because he wasn't in it a lot. You didn't see it a lot. No. But when it was, like, he had, you know, you know, they say, well, like, you know, John Wayne would walk on the screen. He has a presence to him. Yeah. It's weird to say that. Someone has a presence who's drawn in a comic book, but he does. But I think that both Earl and him did. Like when I every yeah. time I see Earl, I'm like, like, oh man, this is like he's well, got gravitas. Earl's to like him. this hulking figure, right? Yeah, he's, huge. Uh, he's this big giant guy. His shoulders are bigger than and anybody else. He's always drawn at like an up down, like it's like a downward angle. Like, you know, like, yeah. so the camera's pointing up at him to make him even larger yeah. than life. Um, I also think Boss's sweet short shorts are uh, are pretty great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those sexy red short shorts he's got on. So let me ask you guys a question. The entire time, uh, we don't get narration except for Earl talking on the phone. All of his phone calls act as our narration in the book, right? That's our uh, only contact with the outside world. Yeah, in, in one side of contact. We, exactly. It's he's always leaving messages. Who did you think he... I mean, we find out who he's talking to at the very end, but who did you think he was talking to as we were going through it? 
Well, my first instinct was maybe a wife. That was my that first That became thought. too obvious after a couple of them. And then I started to think, maybe he's not talking to anyone at all. <laughs> I thought, like, maybe it was it was a delusion or something like that. Or, uh, like, I thought we were going to see the phone and it was, like, you know, it wasn't even on or something yeah. like that. So it wasn't until the end... Well, we'll talk about what what's the end, but um, we we get well. We, it's revealed. Well, let me see what what Jeremy thought. Yeah. who was on the phone? Yeah, I can. I thought it was his wife or an estranged girlfriend. Although he's having conversations at the beginning with someone, right? There's a back and forth. That's his. That's like, he's on the phone at the very beginning. At the oh, very right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah at the very beginning, he's right, on the you're phone. Right, you're right. You're right. Um, but he's. I'm always like, but he's not getting any calls back. So that made right. me go, it's not his wife because he's not getting any calls back. So he's trying to get a hold of someone who's hard to get a hold of. Right. Right. And so I automatically went child. Child. I thought son for oh. sure because of the context, because it's that father son thing. Mm. I thought at the end, or I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'm going to tell you what, I didn't want to, I didn't need to know who it was. There's an epilogue in here that tells you who it is. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I needed that. It was not, it was like, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, but I kind of almost enjoyed the mystery of not knowing who he was talking to. At least to. the first trade. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the reveal at the end? Yeah. Well, at the very end, he, you find out who he's been calling the whole time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the, it's what's the epilogue. Who, is he been, who has he been? Well, he's, he's calling his, I assume his, it's his daughter. Right. 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 So he's calling his daughter and his daughter, uh, in the South, uh, He's got a black daughter, right? Mm. So totally like this kind of evil South you see that he's gone into and automatically conjures these ideas of racism. And I just got done talking about reconstruction. I'm, I'm teaching American history in summer school right now. So, you know, we, we talked about the KKK and we talked about like how all these groups were trying to end, uh, you know, African-American rights right after the end of the, you know, they get them all right at the end of the Civil War when the Civil War ends and then it, it's all taken away from them. And so it, I've got this vision in my head of like, you know, the bad South and then it pulls away and I'm like, oh, so he, he you kind of see that not only did he leave the town, but he leaves what you think is stereotypical South, right? Mm. If, you know, if if you can, if, if, that, if that makes sense. But I almost, I was like, I was just like, oh, I, I didn't need to know who he was calling. I kind of like the mystery of it. And I don't know if it plays any more into it as the story goes on because I haven't read any more of it. Um, but I'm curious as to where it's going. You know, because she said see you soon. Yeah, my first flinch with the reveal was an eye roll, to be honest. Yep. I was like, oh, she's the daughter and she's black. <laughs> and I was like, yep. oh, geez, Me too. come on. But then I thought about it for a second. I thought maybe in the next trade she goes with that machine gun back down to the south <laughs> and starts taking some dudes out. And I thought this could be cool. Young, like, you know, it's mirroring her dad not being able, you know, it's a, yeah. little, it's a little different because she didn't grow up there. But I don't know. We'll see if that goes anywhere. I don't know. Does I'm interested to see if Southern Bastards is about Coach and his crew or if... So, Earl and Earl's family. Here's what I That's know. Point. Here, like, here's what I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna break that I know where it goes. The next arc goes back in time and follows Coach. Mm -hmm. okay. So the next arc is about Coach being younger. 
or at least that's what I, that's what I remember okay. reading about it. That's where it goes now. So okay. it doesn't stick with the story. It goes back in time to like see Coach. I believe is so. What, it's is what it's an ensemble piece then. Uh, yeah, you know, but it's it's hard to t- you know maybe it then bounces back to normal time. You know, to oh, yeah, where yeah, we were yeah. at. In I'm here. sure it will. I mean, yeah. on there, I, I had the same response you did, yeah. Jeremy. I, I I saw it, and by the by the last few pages, I'm like, oh, it's their kid, and it's gonna be his son. Because you know that we're gonna get full circle. That's what I thought. Her. It was like, and this... then when it turned, it was like, oh, oh, and then she's gonna come back in. And it's gonna be fish out of water. And it's gonna be like, <laughs> there's a black sheriff in town, which is, I wanted something because because the the rest of the story was so familiar to me. The story was so familiar to me. I wanted the reveal to be something that was going to be like. Oh, here's what you're doing that's original with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying this isn't original. I'm not saying it's gonna. Be, I'm not saying it's gonna be bad. I'm actually interested in what seeing what's happening next. I think that the, the storytelling and the dialogue and the art is strong enough to keep me reading. But I, 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 I stuck with this, and I go, "Ooh, the end is." I go, "This, I, I'm all. I'm stepping in familiar territory. I can kind of feel the next plot line out." I wasn't even that surprised when he died because I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, and so I wanted the end to be, I wanted that person at the end of the phone to be something completely different than I would ever think of. Uh, um, and, it, and a it, black woman in the army wasn't something completely different than what you were thinking about? It was too on the nose, <laughs> man. It was, it's like it's the South, so we got to talk about race and, and, and family. And, uh, but if you can do it well. I, and that's why I said I almost didn't need the reveal. The last page being bloodied, beaten like uh earl tub i was like damn like that is it like it's this good like i said it's this great kind of mid this middle this beginning middle and end we're at the beginning you're like man he doesn't want to be there in the middle he's like kicking ass and taking names and then the end the bad is too much for him he is not his father right he's not he's not going to clean up the town he's not going to keep it ordered and you're like wow that that was I thought that was a that was a really powerful ending right there and and I got yanked out of it when we go to the prologue. Not that I didn't like the prologue, but it just kind of took me away from the the like harshness that was that ending. Like you'd follow this character, you're like, oh man, this guy's got a lot of stuff. I want to know what his background is with yeah. his dad. I want to know that stuff, and then boom, he's dead. Right. What about you? Would you, Jeremy? Would you have ended it right there? Would you enjoy? Did you enjoy this story? We haven't even asked you. Yeah, if you... yeah I, I thought it was great. Uh, I heard you guys talk, I think, on the last episode about reading it in one sitting. I did yeah. the exact same thing. When it was over, I was like, seriously, that's the end? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think Daredevil did that to me. I expected to be reading for three weeks. But it was uh, it was over, and it was satisfying. The ending, I, I, I'm with you that I felt like um, I'm, it felt like the obvious ending was it to be his son to kind of bring it around and they said well that's too obvious what's not obvious and it was like she's a girl right. and she's black and that kind of felt a little cheaty and cheap to me uh, at the end but it's a it's a great ending that ending picture the the artwork of him with his cheek like, caved in caved in yeah. and his skull caved in and the blood I mean all it, the strength drained from him and looking like an old man sums up the nastiness of this town so well it felt like a really great ending well then he's beaten in front of 
everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like like this sort of like the the like he's stoned almost, right? It kind of takes you back. What's that book where uh, the lottery, right? Right. Where you kill someone in front of everybody, and everybody's right. like, that's just the way we do things. Well, and. I something I it occurred to me as I read this, and I didn't react as strongly as I would have. Oh, six years ago to Earl's death, we are today storytellers today. They're not afraid to kill their darlings, sure. almost so that's expected. I mean, when Ned's head, when uh, Ned Stark's head went off in Game of Thrones, it changed the whole ball game. Yeah, that and Walking Dead. I mean, you have to kill your darlings yeah. in order for people to keep watching. House of Cards, all these stories, you you. You fall in love, and you're like, this is the main character. Main characters are no longer safe in fiction. In fact, they're most likely going to die <laughs> at this point, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if they kill- killed off Daredevil in Daredevil and kept the series going. That's how, like, to get ratings, you have to make these bold yeah. moves. And I thought, in, it, it was, I think we're able to read it, and this is a comment on it, this is only four comic books, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's four issues, and that's pretty slim for a trade. Usually it's five or six. It felt tight. It felt good. It, it felt did. Like a tight it, story. It, yeah. and, like, those... Those four issues told a really great story, and I, so I'm not—I didn't feel like I lost anything. When I finished it, I didn't even think it was that short until I went back. I'm like, oh, it's only chapter four. Oh, you know, because uh, there was some real meat to the story. Let's talk about art, guys. What do you think of Jason Latour's art? We've 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 sat on we've sat on uh, story. Yeah. What do you what do you think of the art? This is last time you were on, Jeremy. We read Underwater Walder, which was a black and white. Super indie looking comic with weird looking people. Uh, we're back. We, we got weird looking people. Yeah, for I was gonna you, say these people are weird looking. <laughs> uh, I lo- I love the art. I th- I think it's um it's gritty. It's rough. I love that our main characters, both antagonist and protagonist, are old dudes. Like, yeah, there's something about that that's and really grizzled yeah, old dudes. Big grizzled old dudes. Um, I I thought it was really great. The the color choices are really interesting. This guy can draw a Southern douchebag like nobody else. Like <laughs> the amount of no fear and tap out shirts and you know, it's, it's really good. I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I thought the, I thought the I think the character design is really good. It looks like everybody's face has yeah. been bludgeoned. You could tell these characters have history yeah. far beyond what we've, what we've, encounter from them in the yeah. story because they wear it in their face i mean the lines in the face i mean it's not i wouldn't say it's heavily detailed but it's each one is done with such care to um bring out this expression whatever expression it is i mean tubs has these expressions yeah. of just you if you've ever been back home and been conflicted with it you have this kind of hang dog um just I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the kind of out there, lost expression in your face, and he wears it so well. And what I think even more importantly in it, he uh, Latour. I mean, I, I really think you could understand the story without any words to it, because of the way it's um, uh, charted out. Like each panel is. It's very movie-like quality. All the angles are like close-up, mid-shot, close-up, mid-shot, down from below. The, I mean. I think Latour could go into directing very easily. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be difficult to. I mean, look at the shading in the yeah. eyes of a coach. And then we see the, the side and the dialogue. It's always great. He's always capturing just the right amount of character in the dialogue boxes, uh, in, uh, around the dialogue boxes. And there's not a lot of dialogue in this. So a lot of it relies on um, the art 
you know, and the storytelling in there. So I, I loved it. I, I um I like Latour. I, I liked him in, in Scalped. I think he there's a there's a realism to it. Um but it's also fun. It yeah. also has the fun of a comic book because yeah, you, you can it, grow, draw those grotesque characters in ways that are grotesque. You're like, oh, he's so hideous, both as a character and yeah. just as a drawing. Yeah, and they're just and just ugly. And like even when you think, man, those people are ugly, when they get beat up, he oh, somehow yeah. manages to make them even more like gross yeah. than they looked before. So Tad, the little kid who like lives next door to uh you know Uncle Buell's house, right? So so uh Earl Tubbs' uncle, the house that he's going to, he gets beaten up by Coach's gang of, of thugs and his face starts to look just as gross as like Earl's face and Coach's face does and and he Latour does this really great job of every character there is a lot there's a lot of character in every character's face. You know right. what I mean? He does a really good job of, of doing that. And you don't lose it when you don't really lose it when it's far away. Cause he does, a, he does some shots that are a lot of his shots are close up though. There's not a lot of like distant action in it. Uh, but even then you can still, you can still see like the, like the gnarled pruniness of everybody in the South in this book. I felt really ashamed. I was like this, Barbecue waitress is kind of doing it for me. Like, how old is she supposed to be? How, I couldn't, I couldn't quite place an age on her, but I'm like, there's something about like the way she says sweet tea. Like, I'm like, yeah, like what, what is, what is this pie you, special today? But you know what? You heard her too, and that's that tells you how good the dialogue is. Is mm-hmm. that you got a voice for her, right. even though she's not in it very long. As soon as you like more sweet tea, hon. Like you, you, you heard yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, not from oh, the South. Yeah. You're Just not like from the South. Again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you get her and, and I don't even, what is fried pie guys? You know what fried uh, pie is? I don't know. What it's I don't know. Fried pie. Or was it at the end? Is that the recipe <laughs> no, at the end? Oh, is there a recipe? There's a recipe. And there it is. Fried pie. So they're oh, like wow. little, they're little pastries. That. Uh, that's the, that's the cool thing about this too. There's a, there's a recipe in the back. I'm going to make fried pies. I think, uh, you know what I really wanted to do, guys? I wanted to get barbecue for us for tonight. I wanted to get some Ooh. ribs, but I was alone with a toddler, so that didn't happen. That might have, that <laughs> might have, might, might have sounded bar- so great on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the art was good. I love that it's a barbecue restaurant. Can I say that? I love that yes. the Central Hub is a barbecue it's restaurant. So, it's so great. And I think about it like I grew up in a small town, and we had that restaurant. It wasn't a barbecue joint, yeah. but we had that central place. Uh we had two of them. We had Greta's Kitchen, which is just outside of the little town I grew up in, but a little tiny hometown thing. And then in Town Town, uh, we had uh, a bar where you ate, and that was the there was one place. And across the street, there was when I was in high school, it was a pizza place, and that was the joint. You know, that was like our hub as kids was that one pizza place in town, and everyone who's older went to the bar across the street. That was and your so, peach pit. right? Yeah, <laughs> right. And so there's this sort of like. That is that speaks so true to what a small town is, right? right? The importance of football, that the central that the that the if you want to find the coach, you go to his barbecue joint right. in the middle of town, right? And and like that just shows you how important he is. And not only is he the coach, but he's also it's boss's barbecue. Right. Yeah. Like it's I his it. it's his it. joint. He owns the town. Yeah. Uh so gentlemen, uh where are we at on time there, Travi? About ten. About ten. All right. Awesome. So let's let's. Uh, what, what what kind of direction you want to go in this, guys? What do you what, like? What do you want? 
Uh, I kind of, you know, I kind of ruined my own question there by telling you what's coming up oh. next. I kind of wanted to ask you, where do you want this story to go? But right, um, I, I am actually kind of when you said that it, 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 you know, they talk about the 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 coach and things like that. I think that's good. I, I, I want to go there because we're, we've, we've seen his father, and he kind of steps in his father's footsteps. If, the, if this daughter was to come in and just start kicking butt and fish out of water and having to deal with that, it's just like, well, I just read this. It's just a different gender yeah. and different color. Yeah. Um, so I need, now that you've shown me what happened when Earl goes back, I need to. I need. I need to know like what the created of the this town? environment. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know about this barbecue chick. I want to know about Coach. <laughs> I want to know about you know uh, Esau. You yeah, know, and and Dusty. I, I still don't know. Is it? Is it heavily? Is it is drugs? It meth? Is it what, meth? What is yeah, it? What are they doing? Yeah. What, what in the know. South is the problem? And if I, you know what, and I hope it's. I hope in one of those elements, there's something I haven't seen before. Whether it's in that like what they're doing that's illegal, yeah. like I, you know, make it something. Like somehow they're profiting off these high school football games, or there's there's something like I don't know, and then there are hills that they're mining. I just <laughs> d- don't make it meth. I don't know. I don't want it to be meth. I know that's realistic, and yeah. they're trying to paint a picture of like realistic, of town in, in there. South. But I need something in here that's gonna be like a game changer. Yeah, because right now I, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see the next brush Wait, strokes. It's it's. We said that it's kind of a story that we've seen before. At least it doesn't seem too unfamiliar. But I think Jason Aaron and Jason Latour do a really good job of telling a story that you're kind of familiar with, right? right? I think they the age kind of changes it, like how old uh, how old Earl is when he comes back. Mm-hmm. That gives it a kind of a different flavor. Right. The fact that it's the football coach who's this like a, like not just a bad dude because he wants the team to win, but it is literally. Like a mafia boss in the South kind of gives you a, a different kind of tweak on it, right? Um, what? Before I forget, what about this? This the tree? What do you think about the tree in this story? What does it? What does a tree represent for you? Um, well, I mean, for me, it's it's that whole. It is what he may, he has. A, he has a line in there. That's my that's my daddy's grave, and he talks about like the tree being stubborn, like when he's trying to cut the tree yeah. down, like he can't, like he can't oh, he... escape that, like he can't cut it down, he can't cut it off, he can't cut his roots out, he can't uproot himself, no matter how much he tries. Um, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier: is you can you can run away from home, but you're home is a part of you and it's always even though how much you change no matter it's you're still there's still going to be grounded in your roots the yeah. people you grew up around the people who shaped your foundations the people who were and, and he, you can't chop it out you can't cut it out of your life well i thought so this is that line you're talking about he says did i tell you there's a he's talking to his daughter we know it's his daughter and he's like leaving a message for you he leaves really long messages for his daughter by the way oh, like, it's the worst of parents do that <laughs> Right, like, just, just text it, old man. <laughs> I said, "Did I tell you there's a tree growing out of my daddy's grave? Last night I tried to chop the damn thing down, but I gave out before it did. Goddamn tree's just as tough as he was. Right? right, that line, like I gave out before the tree did. Like that's how tough and stubborn this. Well, it's thing also is. he gives he gives up before he can leave too. He gives yeah. in. He gives into his roots. He gives into his past. But then the tree is destroyed, and it like there's this fantastical element." That seems out of place yeah, in a in a yeah. book that seems so gritty and sort of like steeped in southern you know whatever. Right. But at the same time, 
that idea of like this mystical South, this sort of like there's something special What's in that, it. What, I, I was having a hard time trying to figure out what that was supposed to be. I mean, the the shot when he first shows up and he, and he's standing over his dad's grave, he's now dead, but yeah. the tree still looms over him. It's one That's of the his... only times in the whole book when he's viewed tiny above and he's small and i mean it shows you like he's he's a shadow in his dad's so uh, does that tree represent is that tree his dad yeah i think so yeah so what's the lightning strike like what is that is that i think i couldn't well figure out what the symbol is when the tree when the tree like it's struck by lightning what what's left over the stick the stick so is that his so is that moment him going all right i gotta be my dad right like i can't escape this uh, I was going to chop down the tree, but I couldn't because my daddy's tougher than I am. But then nature or his dad kind of goes it, and literally the tree hands him his dad's stick. Right. In in sort of this weird way, the and tree. Caliber type, yeah. You know. This sort of like, here it is. Here's here's your here's what I'm giving you. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's Thor's this, hammer. Yeah. Right. So it's this it's this really kind of cool moment that seems out of place. Because it's this sort of fantastical thing that happens, but at the same time, it kind of points to this like it's southern gothic, yeah, I, I this sort it. of southern yeah. gothic sort of thing that goes on. Um, there's like a lot of people writing about trees right now, man. Like uh, we just, I, I shared yeah, Harrow okay. County with you, which is like about a tree. There's like this big tree I in it. Witches, witches that, is yeah. about tr- like there's a whole bunch of trees in it, yeah, and they and it, they all take place in the in the south, right? right? right. So yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, maybe there's this point. thing, Something those about trees. gnarled trees Strange in the south. Fruit. Yeah. All right, so I've you kind of you can kind of get a sense where I'm at as far as what I didn't like or yeah. what I would like to see more of. It doesn't seem it sound like, and I I'm, I'm speaking maybe for you guys. Um, but I'm, what I'm sensing here is I think we all liked it, but no one's raving about it. So I, I, I kind of explained what what for me was kind of holding me back from being like, this is, I can't wait to read the next trade. Because honestly, I don't know if I would go out and buy it, but I might read it if it passed. Like, yeah, if I came here and it was on the counter, like, oh, this is number two. Let me read it. I think I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna pick up the second one uh, just because I kind of want to know what directions it's in. But here's here's the thing about this: those four epi- those four issues. I almost called episodes. Those four issues tell a really complete yeah. story. It's like it, it is a movie in and of itself, right? It, it, it's very cinematic, like right. you said. It has a clear beginning, middle, and end. And there's some mystery to it, like about who his dad was, who he's calling, what's the connection there, right. why has he been away for so long. Uh, what happened to him while he was gone. But at the same time, that mystery is kind of nice. Right. That it's not all fleshed out because it's still, you still get a really good story, even with all that mystery. And sometimes, sometimes I feel like uh, in comic books, we, we beat the mystery to death, right? right. Um, Walking Dead right. has been going on for a very long time and it will probably continue to go on until Kirkman can like, just he can pave the like a city in gold right he's right. he's making so much money off of it it's going to keep going on and on and on but does it need to yeah comics could use a little more of like a british television <laughs> right yeah. three episodes and we're done like, which that's part oh, of why i actually uh, i loved it um, oh you do okay. but, I, I, but I don't feel compelled to like 
chase down more of it because it it was a it was a tasty meal in and of itself and i'm and i'm okay with what it was i really did like it um but yeah i'm not compelled to chase like after like a saga you're like i gotta get the next one right now well because i I don't think it, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger it no. really doesn't. That epilogue gives you something, but it doesn't end on a cliffhanger. Right, yeah. Like, he's dead. Yeah. The character you were following is dead. When, when you talked about Ned Stark getting his head cut off, he has a whole family of people that are right there with him, and he doesn't die on the very last episode. Right. Had the very last episode of season one been Ned Stark's head getting ch- chopped off, he'd been like, well, that's a story right there, and mm-hmm. it's done. Uh, so this felt really, really singular and really closed and really done. And and so um, this is something uh, I enjoyed it. And this is something I'd share with somebody. Right. I'd be like, you want to read something that you don't like superheroes. You kind of like, you like, you read, you like justified. You like that show. You kind of like, this is a really good drama. You Mm. know what I mean? It's a really good story and it's not unfamiliar. So I think it lends itself to people who don't normally read comic books. Right. They come into something that feels familiar to them. I think if you hand someone who's never read a comic book saga, they're going to go, why does this giant have such large balls? Right. Right. But with this, they're like, Oh, okay. No, like I know the South. I, I, you know, I know what I'm supposed to know about the South. I never grew up in the South. I don't, I've, I've been to the South only in passing. Right. And so, I know enough about it, though, to kind of, like, be able to kind of sink into that story. All right, we got a few minutes left here and just enough time to go through our favorite panels. Favorite panels. Um, Jeremy, you have yours pulled up already? Uh, yeah, my favorite panel is, uh, I had it up here a second ago. It's it's fairly early on when he's in the barbecue restaurant and uh, he smacks the dude upside the head with the fry basket. Um, oh, oh, yeah, that's a great I, I panel. Really, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Oh, I so particularly painful. like, yeah, I mean, a hot fry basket mm-hmm. in the face has got to hurt. His tap out shirt <laughs> and his so sleeveless. And his pants? With the, yeah, the Zuba's, Zuba's pants. <laughs> I mean, this guy, he needed a fry basket. <laughs> I also like then on the next panel, he has the gun in his hand, so he takes the fry basket and burns his arm with yeah. it. Yeah. So he lets go of the gun. This real, like, that is such a and then the dirty hairy great. line yeah, at the end. Yeah, I just even come for the, the same ribs. angle, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. It was really good. I really, that's he really says good. that quite a lot of times. Like, oh, okay, I'm gonna need those ribs now. <laughs> I'm like, go, sure, go with some ribs. But it tells you like how how important how good are those ribs? That culture, yeah. like that that food culture, is to the South that that he keeps coming back to it. Travis, what's your favorite panel? Uh, I marked it on there. Um, it's it's I don't know. This is kind of a weird one. Um, I liked. You know that opening panel was my was my uh, uh, one of my favorites. I put the title card for uh, I think it's uh, uh, the second issue, okay. Southern Bastards. Um, it's where it's just literally footsteps stepping into a big pile of shit. And you see the, <laughs> the treadmill on there because at this point in the story, I got a sense of the tone, and I thought this panel of just a giant like poop going on the porch it just captures like the whole like this is just like well and it calls it's that dog again right I, there's and it's because the dog's in the panel before it right and, and I, I, can, I just hear i can hear those footsteps i can i it just sets the tone for me that it reminded me it's a very tarantino yeah it is those cards I love those, the, those the title font. cards <laughs> the font, yeah yeah <laughs> those title cards are very quentin tarantino and like the shot of someone stepping in a pile of dog crap is very like it's this real, it, like you said, it's this real it's cinematic their rosebud thing. for the Southern Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Dog uh, shit is the, the rosebud for Southern um, Bastards. My favorite panel is, I almost picked the one Jeremy picked because I really like that one. 
Uh, then, uh, let's see, which one? I had two that I, I was like, well, if someone picks that one, I'm going to pick that. I'm going to go with my... F- uh, now i gotta, I got to make a, a, a quick... De- a quick decision. I'm going to go with, uh, it's near, it's in the last issue. Uh, it's after, uh, coach boss beats the crap out of, uh, he beats the crap out of him with the stick. He beats the crap out of, uh, Earl with a stick. And then he's walking away and his face is so angry and snarled coach bosses is. And he has the stick in his hand. He's got those little short coat shorts on and the, and Oh, there's just blood everywhere. Well, at this point, he's he's only been uh, a threat. We've never yeah. seen. We haven't seen. Well, you've seen everybody else do yeah, the action, yeah, right? You've exactly. seen his crew do it, but then to see him, like he is so untouchable that in front of the sheriff of the town, he beats a dude to death, and, there, and or near death. Yeah. If we if we can go with my maybe, he's not dead. That That's scene of him panel. killing him is it is crazy. When I mean. You came to town. You weren't going to leave without getting some answers. Well, I have your answers for him. And he's, look at me. Look at me. Yeah. I'm your effing answer. And then smashes the skull in. Like, yeah. that's brutal. Uh, and I, you know what? Maybe maybe the thing that I'm not giving credit for where I think a lot of the originality comes from, too, is the fact that they're old men. Yeah. And I think maybe that I like, you know, if I, if I kind of focus on that because I haven't seen that before. Wait. We would never do that in Hollywood. Well, that's very Clint get... Eastwood, like... Like uh, Grand, Ter- uh, Grand Torino, Grand Torino, but they were still like there, you know. Like the, but I like it like old man versus like old, old man. man. Like I, I love it, dude. Because yeah. just like we talked about, like how Saga gives like a married couple, like hey, we're cool too. Yeah. Like, I feel like this uh, book gives like old people, like you can still be a badass in your sixties. <laughs> uh, so, well, that was Southern Bastards. Um, I would say, uh, would you suggest it to someone, Travis? Yes, I would. Jeremy, would you suggest yeah, it? totally, I would. And you have it on PDF, so you can share it with everybody else. I got a DRM-free copy. You know that... what? Is this out of go the out and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got it out of the you, Yeah, you should go out and buy it. I'm just saying, <laughs> I have a copy that I'll probably, I'd probably go like, hey, you should read this. I got yeah. someone, I probably have someone, I have someone I'm going to give it to you for sure. Um, so that was Southern Bastards. Our summer reading list, Travis, we are two books in to summer reading. Right. We, we, we made it through Persepolis, mm-hmm. uh, last episode. We just read Southern Bastards in two weeks. We're talking BPRD vampire, right. uh, which is, uh, Gabriel Bra and Fabio moon. Ooh, you bought single issues. I had the single issues of it. Uh, then we're going to do Alex and Ada and then goners. Uh, which we met uh, uh, Corona, the the um, the artist. We met him at Comic Con, and then we're gonna we're gonna end with Apocalypto Girl uh, by um, Andrew McLean, uh, McLean, McLean. Uh, and so we've got kind of a this is an indie summer, buddy. Right. We're not doing any superhero books. We're not doing any big two. We're, yeah, we might have to like uh, do some like uh, in our variants. We might have to get a little superhero. We might have to. There, man. Gonna or we're going to spend September. Our two books in September are going to be like nah, Superman. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and by that time, maybe we'll get some. Uh, we'll get uh, Bat Robo Batman. We'll be able to maybe we'll oh, be able right. to talk yeah, about yeah, Robo yeah, Batman Robo by Batman. then. Cool. Uh, so. Thanks for tuning in to Comic Exposure. Thank you, Jeremy, father of the air, Jeremy yeah, Olam, yeah. <laughs> to being on the show and, and coming and sit with us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, you can find us on uh, Twitter, at Comic Exposure, uh, on the website, www.comicexposure.com, www. Uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. Follow us 
see what we're up to, interact with us. We want to know what's going on. If you have something you want to say about Southern Bastards, tweet it out to us. Let us know what's going on. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. We'll share your stuff on the very issue. we got completely wrong. Yeah, tell, yeah. Us, tell us what we got completely wrong. We love that. Uh, so thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next trade.